Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, we're going to get started. I'm Madison Marasatia Rose Conway, and I'm happy to uh, welcome you all and our guests here um, this morning. Um, for most Madisonians, this has been one of the most challenging years of our lives. Many Madison residents have lost their jobs, they're struggling to pay their rent, they're relying on food pantries, and they're struggling to keep their kids healthy and happy in the middle of a very dangerous pandemic. The stress on residents and families has been immense. Many businesses, especially in the hospitality, entertainment, restaurant, and retail industries, are experiencing financial devastation. And many Madison favorites are closing their doors for good. This summer, the burden on our residents will continue to mount. A state moratorium on utility shutoffs will end on July 25th, meaning that households could be without electricity, air conditioning, or internet. The $600 additional federal unemployment assistance that has helped people pay their rent and stay afloat will end on July 31st. Evictions are increasing because the state moratorium expired and the federal moratorium on evictions for federally subsidized housing units will end next week. The moratorium on foreclosures at the federal level will end in August. And come September, Madison families may face a significant new need for childcare as our schools make tough decisions about how to educate our kids during a pandemic. This is unacceptable. People need help. The pandemic has created unprecedented public health and economic challenges, and we need every level of government to take action. The city is taking action by upholding public health best practices, supporting small businesses in a number of ways, investing in affordable housing and home ownership, finding safe housing for our homeless population, funding culturally competent organizations to connect people to the benefits they are eligible for, and helping to make masks and PPE available in our community. The state needs to take action as well. We need state support to continue extensive testing statewide to keep all of us safe and track the progress of the virus. And I am calling on the State Public Service Commission to extend the moratorium on utility shutoffs through next April. I sent them a letter yesterday urging them to take this action because you can't get a job if you can't charge your phone or your computer. Online schooling is impossible without access to broadband and electricity. And losing access to a fan or air conditioning during a hot summer when many of our public cooling centers are closed is just downright dangerous. We need the federal government to take action and to take action now. I'm grateful for the initial round of support through the Federal CARES Act and Paycheck Protection Program. But there is a lack of consensus at the federal level over any further aid package in Congress, even as this crisis continues and gets worse. Unemployment in Dane County is up more than 800 percent from January. And just last week, there were over 
2,100 new applications for unemployment in the county as businesses continue to suffer. So we are here today to tell our federal policymakers that they need to act. Congress must pass another COVID federal aid package and make sure that that aid reaches local communities directly. It's good news that, federal, that congressional leaders are beginning to talk about this. It, we need the federal government to expand unemployment benefits so that people who have lost their jobs don't also lose their homes. We need the federal government to expand aid for childcare so that if schools start to experience problems, parents will have other options. We need the federal government to help small businesses keep their doors open and pay their workers to ensure that these businesses can survive until we have a vaccine for COVID-19. We need the federal government to support local government, cities large and small all across Wisconsin that are leading the charge against COVID with community testing, contact tracing, and other measures to break the chain of transmission. Local governments provide the backbone of essential services, including ambulance, fire, water, transportation, affordable housing, and more that residents are relying on more than ever in these times. And we need the federal government to create new jobs for those who have lost them. We need a bold federal investment in state and local transitional job programs. And the best new jobs build skills and present an opportunity to build back an even stronger, more resilient community than what we had before. We can invest in clean energy jobs and replacing aging infrastructure with greener, more resilient 21st century solutions. We can get jobs to those who need them most, reducing poverty and racial disparities in the process. So I am advocating for the passage of the HEROES Act in Congress. This bill would infuse $11 million into our community, but it has been held up in the Senate. As the longevity of this crisis becomes clearer, pressure is building for a new package in Congress. Madison's own Senator Tammy Baldwin has authored the Jobs for Economic Recovery Act, which would finance six months of wages and benefits for public, private, or nonprofit jobs. These funds could also be used for green job training and services like childcare to help workers succeed upon completion of their job placement. We need Congress to act, and we need Congress to act now. I want to thank Citizen Action of Wisconsin, Kids Forward, and the United Way for helping to shine a spotlight on the incredible need for federal assistance right now. And now I would like to introduce Dr. Robert Craig from Citizen Action. Thank you very much, uh, Mayor. That, that was a wonderful statement, and thank you for hosting us here. And thank you very much to the uh, Common Council President as well for being here and the, and the other speakers. So, I'm Robert Craig, I'm Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin, and uh, good to be back here. I lived here 10 years getting my PhD, as a lot of people do, but I stayed in the state, so that's at least encouraging. 
And so we're a statewide membership organization, work on health care, economic, racial, climate justice, and preserving democracy. And just what we're seeing with this crisis, which is really three-pronged crisis, is unbelievable. And there isn't the urgency at the national level or the state level that you would expect. It's sort of like the Great Depression, and it's still 1931 instead of 1933, and there's just no urgency in action. So this pandemic, which is spinning out of control again, which is predictable given the unsafe way that most states reopened, including this one for very partisan reasons, uh, it's leading to the worst economic conditions since the Great Depression. The Wisconsin unemployment rate is at a 45-year high at least. That was the furthest back I could find consistent number, maybe further than that. And if you look at the history, literally Wisconsin always had a gap between the number of people, including during the supposed boom economy, between the number of people seeking jobs and needing them. A lot of them had given up, but even seeking and the number of jobs. And just since March, it's gone like this. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like it's off the chart. You need a different chart. And so you have the problem that we already had a lot of folks, especially folks from disadvantaged communities, people of color who were denied access to opportunity. Now you have the whole society. And in March, when they did the CARES Act, they could not have predicted that it would depend, we wouldn't get control of the pandemic like most other advancing countries have around the world or how long-term this would be. And so a lot of its provisions sunset it. And by the way, they're also inadequate. So if you look at things like the increase in unemployment benefits, the six, extra $600 payment, right, that prevents workers from losing income. It, it guarantees they have the same income. So it's keeping families afloat. Otherwise, unemployment insurance on average pays 40% of your income, which puts you on the road to not being able to afford the basics and being evicted and having your utilities cut off and the other things the mayor mentioned and being foreclosed. And so we need to at least guarantee that, but you have our one U.S. Senator, uh, the other one not mentioned, saying he's against that. So we're literally going to cut folks off in the middle of a depression and a pandemic, okay? So they need to at least do what we did in March, but they need to go further because the jobs aren't there. You can't just force people back into the economy and expect it to work. There aren't the jobs, no matter how many conservative politicians want to force people back out looking for non-existent jobs. And so the numbers are just staggering, that essentially there, there is a, um, there's the equivalent of 65,000-plus jobs in Wisconsin supported just by the $600 increase in unemployment insurance, 5 million nationally. That goes away Friday, a week from Friday on uh, the, the end of next week. It goes away. And then you need something like on the order of the New Deal. You need a federal jobs program, a massive public subsidized jobs program. Transitional jobs is a great example of that, as the mayor pointed out. And Tammy Baldwin has such a plan. So we have one U.S. senator, and she has a coalition of moderate and progressive senators behind it. And that would be a way not only to keep families afloat, but also to do what we did in the Great Depression, that is build the new economy we need. We know we have 10 years to address a climate cataclysm that will make this look small. And then also we know, because of the protests on the streets that were sparked, but of course they have 400-year roots by the George Floyd murder in the Twin Cities, we know that we have a racial equality problem. You can't just have the market solve those problems. You see, these are base economic problems. You're an unequal citizen if you don't have equal resources, okay, and you don't have equal security. 
And as a result, if you had a public Saudi jobs program, you could build an equitable economy that, for a chip, for, that is finally addresses our long quest for actual equal, racial equality in this country, and you could create a new sustainable economy that prevents a climate genocide. And so this is a, you need to solve the economic problem now, but you also need to use this crisis to make all the major changes we need to make, because this is when they happen. This is when it's possible to do big things. And I would just say the numbers are just stunning, that 20% of Americans are facing evictions who are renters right now, and that 32% uh, couldn't make their full rent payment last month, and in addition, 28 million Americans are at risk of foreclosure. To give you context, we thought the worst ever was the Great Recession in 2008, 2009. 10 million lost their homes. Horrible. 28 million could now. That's how bad it is. Is anyone acting with that urgency in Washington? Apparently, the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, has finally agreed to take it up after months delayed, but they're dragging their feet on doing as much as we did in March, and we need to do more. And of course, we need to employ people to control the pandemic. Contact tracing jobs would be a huge employer. And it, it's a paraprofessional job that a lot of folks, a lot of women, and a lot of women of color could do, because they traditionally do those caregiving jobs already. And so this is a no-brainer, and in fact, it's in everyone's interest. No one benefits from leaving anyone behind in this economy. And can you imagine being foreclosed on or evicted during a pandemic and having no way to get a job? And it really does look like the, the, the early 1930s before the, the New Deal. Or it looks like a country we can't imagine. So, and at the state level, the legislature's gone home, okay? And they need to come back. And the governor needs to uh, actually, the governor had all his power taken away, but I think he needs to be more urgent in calling on the legislature to act and using his bully pulpit. But I know that's not the way he'd like to govern, but that's the emergency situation. So I'd encourage him to do that. But importantly, this is one of those moments where we need leaders and, we, and we're going to try to build the grassroots fire across the state and actually to, to actually put the pressure on to get that done. You know, the HEROES Act that passed Congress, I'm going to close on this, has $11 billion in it. It passed the House, it stalled in the Senate, for state and local government. Now, you heard the mayor, all sorts of things Madison needs to do, wants to do, but it's out of money because it's being fiscally constrained. But a lot of that money, most of it, at least 90 percent, is discretionary. So, in other words, the mayor and the common council president and the other elected leaders can decide what investments are needed in this city and this region in order to both protect people's health and then to protect their livelihoods and keep them in home and keep them fed. And gosh, I even got into the school issue, but forcing kids back to school unsafely for the teachers and the students is terrible. But then furthermore, if you, if you, if you can't do that safely, you need childcare. You need guaranteed universal childcare and family medical leave. You could do that now because the need is obviously so urgent. So I'll close with that. We are calling for urgency in, in Washington and down the street at the Capitol it's immediately. So thank you very much, uh, Mayor Conway Rhodes, for putting this together. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from Common Council President Sherry Carter. Thank you. Let me start out by saying we won't stop. 
we will continue to advocate over and over again. Because the bottom line is, the citizens of this state, this city, this county, these towns, these villages deserve better. Our federal government deserves to do the right thing. When you think of people, our citizens, our residents, our neighbors, our family members, putting in an envelope for rent with a note saying, I owe you, and thinking that's gonna keep them in their apartments, their homes. When you think of the number of people that could be evicted and become homeless, and you're not doing anything, shame on you. So let me repeat, we will not stop. We will not stop. We will advocate to the very end for our residents, for our family members, for our neighbors, for our coworkers. The federal government and the state has got to stop up during this horrific time of being in a pandemic. We must protect everyone, everyone. There is not one person that we should not be advocating for during this time. As mentioned before, and I'm not going to highlight what everyone else said, but we have to protect the jobs. We have to protect small businesses that hire most of the, the people in our cities, towns, and villages. We have to protect our essential workers. This is a pandemic. And if we have to spell it out to the federal government, we will. The silence is thinking of those who cannot speak for themselves, because that's what it sounds like when you can't speak for yourself. So I commend our mayor and <clears throat> Dr. Robert Craig and the rest of the speakers for being here. But make no mistake, you might be seeing us again and again and again, because we will not stop. Thank you. Thank you, Council President Carter. Next, we'll hear from Martha Cranley from the United Way. Thank you, Mayor Rhodes Conway, for the opportunity. Um, just to double down on what's already been said, the need in Dane County is real. Since mid-March, calls to United Way's 211 seeking assistance with housing, shelter, food, and other basic needs have tripled. We are literally responding to thousands of calls. Between March and June, the shift in need for assistance has been dramatic. Early in the pandemic, with schools closed and in-person senior meal sites closed and layoffs beginning, we saw a significant jump in the need for food. 
More recently, these calls have shifted to need for rent and utilities and have far outpaced available resources. In recent weeks, our 211 center saw an increase in calls literally four times the normal call volume. These calls include those from a mom who called 211 after losing her job and being anxious about how to put food on the table for her kids coming home unexpectedly from college. And a call from a service industry worker that lost both of his jobs and was worried about how to keep his health insurance. These 211 callers are not alone. As you've heard in the last few months, the number of Dane County residents seeking unemployment assistance is at an all-time high, signaling greater need to come for our families, and we see no end in sight for the need in Dane County. These critical needs are met often by the vital not-for-profit sector. Our neighbors have come to expect that they can look to nonprofits for help in times of crisis. We are uniquely positioned to respond to the short and longer-term needs of those most affected. But as the mayor has mentioned, when the moratorium on evictions and utility shutoffs end shortly, more Dane County families will face homelessness, far outpacing our local ability to address this crisis. We also know that the cumulative effects of ending these supports will be visited upon the children and families that can least withstand multiple blows to their family budgets. Here in Dane County, we are fortunate that our area businesses and individuals are very generous with their treasure and support of the not-profit sector. But philanthropy alone cannot and will not address the significant needs of the community caused by a global pandemic. Federal funding dedicated to helping families stay housed, put food on the table, and provide basic needs for their families is economic stimulus, as these do dollars will flow directly back to the community, helping businesses avoid additional layoffs and slow the increase of families in crisis. United Way supports the multiple pieces of legislation mentioned this morning as an important piece of the philanthropic and local government's response to the very real needs of families in Dane County. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Our last speaker will be Ken Taylor, who's the CEO of Kids Forward. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm going to reinforce some of the things uh, that some of the other speakers, speakers said and, and speak about some other aspects of this challenge as well. My name is Ken Taylor uh, with Kids Forward. We are a statewide research, engagement, and advocacy organization uh, focused on kids and families uh, here in Madison, located here in Madison. And our vision is a, of a state where every child, every family, and every community thrives, particularly children of color and those furthest from opportunity. So as we know, uh, COVID is having a huge impact on all of us. Uh, yesterday, Wisconsin had its higher, highest single day total of new cases, uh, nearly 1,000. Um, but COVID is harming the health um, of some of us more than others. For example, African-American Wisconsinites are nearly four times more likely to contract COVID and over four times more likely to die from COVID than whites. Latinx Wisconsinites are over five times more likely to contract COVID and twice as likely to die from it as whites. So while all of us are impacted by the 38,000 cases in Wisconsin and the 826 deaths in our state, some of our friends and neighbors of color are disproportionately impacted, and that's important for all of us to keep in mind. 
So that's what's going on health-wise, but we're here today primarily to talk about the economic impact of COVID and specifically what the federal government must do to support Madison's and Wisconsin's children, families, and communities. There's lots I could say about that, but I'm gonna focus on just two. We've heard a little bit uh, about the unemployment and assurance uh, assistance program, uh, $600 a week that's set to expire uh, at the end of this month. Uh, and we have to take action to protect that program. If we don't, it'll be a severe blow to hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites who are unemployed because of the pandemic. And it would be a tremendous blow to our economy. Drastically cutting incomes of those receiving this support uh, who will then have less to spend on grocery stores and other businesses will catalyze a second wave of layoffs and spell more economic hardship for our state. And cutting it off also will have a negative impact on health, resulting in thousands of Americans dying because they were forced to go back to work before it was safe to do so. We've seen the huge toll on human lives in states that have reopened too fast, and cutting off this federal unemployment assistance increase will greatly exacerbate that problem here in Wisconsin and across the nation. As I said previously, people of color have been hardest hit by the pandemic, and, those, uh, and they are also more likely to suffer uh, if this unemployment uh, assistance is ended. Decades of systemic racism have pushed black and brown workers into the least resource jobs, least secure jobs, and they have fewer employment opportunities in their communities and less likely to have jobs that allow them to work from home. So for all those reasons, it's this added negative impact on people of color in our state. And it's important that we have the, a robust federal support because the state-funded support is relatively low. Um, so we're ranked 40th in the nation as far as how much our state unemployment insurance uh, provides. And as, as Robert said earlier, it's not nearly enough um, to live on. So this program must be extended for as long as this crisis lasts. It helps keep our families safe and our economy uh, from financial collapse and keeps people uh, from going back to work while it's still too dangerous to do so. Second program that I want to talk about is more general around uh, federal support for state and local governments. Mayor and others have spoken about that already. Um, we are gonna be seeing a massive uh, reduction in revenue. Uh, we're already seeing it. Uh, and it's gonna uh, significantly affect the budgets of state and local government. And if the president and Congress don't provide substantial additional in aid, we will be forced to lay off teachers, other workers, and cut important services like healthcare and education that will make the recession longer and more painful. And to those who believe that, well, the nonprofit sector will come in and save the day, that's just not true, that's not possible. They're wonderful, they're doing incredible work, but the scope and scale of the challenge that we have, there's no way for the nonprofit sector to step into that void. The only body that can do that is our federal government, and to date, uh, they took one important step forward, but we need so much more. So as was mentioned earlier, the HEROES Act uh, that has passed the House of Representatives is really important that we move forward. For Wisconsin, it would mean 
$8.5 billion for state government, over $7 billion for local government. It would mean nearly $2 billion for health care through Medicaid, and then, as was mentioned at the, the end, $1.4 billion for education, which again, probably is nowhere near enough of the, to meet the challenge, but is an important step forward. So as the recession stretches uh, into the second half of this year, it's increasingly clear that state and local governments are at the forefront of combating the pandemic and its economic fallout. Uh, it's likely that the recession uh, is far from over and will be deepening. We need federal action uh, to get state and localities the aid they desperately need. Wisconsin residents can't afford to wait. The time is now. It's urgent. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I think any of our speakers would be happy to take a few questions. Uh, we have a, a minute or two before we need to wrap up. Are there any questions? Yes. It's incredibly difficult. We are facing a $30 million deficit in 2020 and another 20 to $25 million deficit in the 2021 budget. And um, this is a, you know, this is of a scale that we're not just talking about cutting back services to our most needy. We're talking about needing to cut into basic services that local government provides. Um, without assistance from the state or federal government, um, we are going to see service reductions across our community. Um, and we need the federal government to step in and provide direct financial support to local governments, not just Madison, but across Wisconsin and across the country. Without it, our communities will continue to suffer and to suffer even more as we have to cut back basic local services. Um, and that's not even touching the questions around unemployment, uh, food resources, housing resources that are also desperately needed. So this is a, an incredibly diff difficult time to be in local government. Um, we are on the front lines of this pandemic, and we are doing everything we can to keep our residents safe and healthy, but we have to have help from the federal government to do that. Well, I'm, you know, I really appreciate Senator Tammy Baldwin um, doing her best to introduce good ideas at the federal level. Uh, Congressman Mark Bocan has, uh, and I have talked multiple times, and I know he's advocating strongly. He did support the HEROES Act um, when it passed the House. Um, and I, it's, uh, you know, reassuring or, or uh, encouraging to me that there is starting to be some conversation about the need for an aid package to local government. But it has been months that they have been talking about this. And in the meantime, people are suffering. We can't afford to have them wait any longer. We need Congress to take action and to take action now. Thank you. Any other questions for any of our speakers? All right, thank you all very much for coming. Have a good rest of your day.